You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. chapter 2 and verse 10 says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Matthew 2 verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Uh, I want to uh, speak to you this morning on the joy is in the tidings. The joy is in the tidings. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, In all of our earthly relationships, we go through ups and downs. Uh, You're not going to be happy at all times. If you haven't found that out yet, you surely will. You will not be happy at all times. Uh, If you're married, you're married to a human being. (laughs) Your friends are mostly, I would say, human beings. Human beings are what we know as being quite self-centered. People get sick, people argue, people whine, people have misunderstandings, sometimes we're inconsiderate, and sometimes things just don't go right. Life is not always just an easy road. Some days, uh, to be honest, life can almost be a disaster. It's kind of like this. Your horn goes off accidentally, remains stuck as you follow a group of hell's angels on the freeway. Or your twin sister forgets your birthday. You sink your teeth into a beautiful steak and they stick. Or your birthday cake collapses with the weight of the candles. You wake up to discover that your waterbed broke, and then you realize that you don't have a waterbed. You put your clothes on backwards, and they fit better. These are, these are things that, you know, in our normal everyday life, we could say, you know, we, things just don't go always the way we think they should. Whenever we look for relationships, uh, Um, People say things like, I just want to be happy. But the problem with that attitude is basically it's quite selfish. It says, I want what I want. The writer James wrote in chapter 4, verse 1 in the TEV, Where do all the fights and quarrels among you come from? They come from your desires for pleasure, which are constantly fighting within you. 
You want things, but you cannot have them, so you are ready to kill. You strongly desire things, but you cannot get them, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have what you want because you do not ask God for it. The root problem of our difficulties in life is there is a power struggle that goes on. Sometimes it's insecurity. Sometimes it's selfishness. Sometimes it's, it's self-centered. These are, these are problems that happen within us, and no one is excused from them. No one. James, again, writes in the New Living Translation, chapter 3, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, then you will find disorder and every kind of evil. So in other words, to be joyful and jealous at the same time is impossible. Impossible. Selfishness and self-centeredness always undermines our relationships. So I've got to get the focus off of me. Focus off of myself. Because if not, then it hurts my relationships with other people. And sometimes, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, things happen and things are said and things take place. Uh, it's a fact of life that, guess what? I'm, I'm not always going to be happy. Nothing destroys a relationship more than resentment or bitterness or Things that would rile up inside of us. That's why the writer of Hebrews in the Living Bible says in chapter 12, Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Selfishness brings resentment, and which eats us up emotionally. It eats up our energy. Because we spend all of our time at times trying to get over hurts and past hurts. And it brings fear upon our life. And fear is a terrible thing in a person's life. Causes walls to be built. Causes isolation to happen. Fearful people cannot give love and cannot receive love. Because they're always afraid of being hurt. When you're full of fear, there's no emotional intimacy. And when there's no emotional intimacy, there is no joy. No joy. This is what fear does to our relationships. Fear makes me defensive. I won't admit it when I'm wrong. Fear makes me distant. I won't share my real feelings. And fear makes me demanding. I will always want to be in control. Writer of 1 John 4 and verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So most people uh, try to do something to bring happiness and into their life and into their relationships. And, and they find out very quickly that this is only a temporary solution. This is one of those times of the year when people try to bring happiness into their lives. The real need of every individual 
is not happiness in our life at this time of year. It is joy. You and I need joy. It's a good time to put a nice big smile on behind that mask. You and I need joy. A joy that rises up inside of you that only can be produced by the Spirit. Happiness is produced by life circumstances. Joy is produced by the Spirit. Joy is very much different than happiness. Most people think, if only I could, or if only someone else would, then I could be happy. They have what is known as a destination disease. But life's not a destination. Life is a journey. You'll never arrive. You'll never arrive. The grass may be greener on the other side, but they got a higher water bill. It's, it's life. Things that you and I face each and every day cannot be built or cannot build the happiness in our life. It will only be temporary. After people make drastic changes, things of trying to become more happy. I deserve to be happy. Have you ever heard that phrase? That phrase makes me sick. I just want to be happy. People walk away from marriages, quit decent jobs, switch careers, move across the country, build a new house, buy a new car, get a promotion. And still, life doesn't make them happy. Nowhere in the Bible does God advise us to pursue happiness. Nowhere. Because happiness is selfish, and it's not a biblical concept. The word happiness is used 22 times in the Bible. 22 times. And it never means what we think. We have been conditioned to think that it should. In the Bible, happy doesn't mean having everything go my way. It actually means being blessed or favored by God. That's a whole different aspect. That's not about me. That's about Him. Every time of the 22 that you see happiness mentioned in the Bible, it's not to do with you. It's to do with Him and how he thinks about you. Happiness is extremely vulnerable. Happiness wrapped up in people is insecure. Because guess what? People will let you down. Happiness that is centered in possessions is unsure. Because material goods deteriorate. And they depreciate. Happiness based on health is unreliable because time takes its toll on all of us and we all get older. Happiness grounded in social achievement is unpredictable because a new star, the, the new greatest thing is just around the corner and they will replace you. Everything we build our happiness 
on eventually will double cross you. It will come to naught. That's why the world is full of selfishness, being cynical, discouraged people. That's why people are living in despair because they're always trying to attain happiness that never lasts instead of joy. And so you see people frustrated in life. People with lots of stuff, lots of connection, great careers and great jobs that are not happy with self or life. You would think, how is that possible? You got everything at your fingertips. Yet they're discouraged, live in despair. In contrast to happiness, the Bible uses the words joy, joyful, or rejoice over 160 times. And it teaches us that joy only comes from the Spirit of God that's living in us. Not being self-centered, but rather God-centered. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is temporary, while joy is permanent. Happiness is based on chance, and joy is based on choice. Happiness is based on circumstances, and joy is based on Christ. So joy doesn't come from making me happy. Joy comes from making other people happy. God designed it that way. One popular myth is this. When I get all my problems solved in life, I'll be happy. <laughs> that is a myth. That's not going to happen. It will never happen. Trust me, life will never end giving you curveballs, struggles, trials, temptation, loss, issues that you can't deal with on yourself. Life is simply a series of solving problems. It is. This whole life is you solving problems. I mean, you may have a day when things go smooth, but tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, Brother Al, someone will go and steal your tire off your car. I'm not prophesying. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving. That happened to him. He come out and his car's missing a tire. What, what causes someone to do such a thing? Well, I go to Mission Point. That should never happen. I, it's called life. Things happen. And when you think you got everything solved, just wait a few moments. See, we got to learn to have joy in the middle of problems and not when we don't have problems. That's why Paul wrote Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How is it possible to always be joyful? When Paul wrote this, he was in prison. He was about to be executed. 
He was writing to the Philippian church, which is a book about joy. Nineteen times in the book of Philippians, he used the word joy or rejoice. And he's ready to be killed. Paul was not focusing on the circumstances that would bring him happiness or lack of. No, no, he was counting on the joy of the Holy Ghost that God had filled his life with. And no matter what was happening around him, he was still full of joy. Writer of Psalm 16, verse 11, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Right in the middle, he said, of the path of life, you can be in the presence of God and have fullness of joy. When I don't have joy, it's a warning light that God's presence is not the way it should be in my life. If this is not a joyful time for you, maybe it's because it's been a difficult year. You're tired of all the restrictions. Maybe you've had loss in your life this year. Maybe you've gone through lots of changes, whether it's careers, jobs, family situations, circumstances, finance, health. None of those things are pleasant. But in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And the writer of Luke, in our text today, Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He uses this phrase, I bring you good tidings. The Greek word means to announce good news. To evangelize, especially speaking about the gospel. It's talking about declaring it and bringing it and being glad because of it. Preaching it, sharing it. This is all behind this simple phrase, I bring you good tidings. The good news, great news Positive news, and joyful, enjoying news, pleasurable news. Have you ever listened to the news lately? None of those things fit. None of them. Everything is sadness and despair and downheartedness and depressive. That's what, in most cases, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm, I'm thinking it's a very high 98, 99% of news is quite the opposite of what we know as the good news. 
And so if we're not careful, in December of 2021, we can focus on the news of the world instead of what was said that first time that the announcement was made by the angel that day. I bring you, I bring you, say it, I bring you good tidings of great joy great joy that word that greek word shara means a calm delight we get this mindset uh, joy i i must be able to jump and hit the ceiling uh, you know it, you got to be you got to be jumping up and down and going around in circles to be able to have joy or you know you got to you got to be able to speak with excitement in your voice to have joy. No, no, no. That word actually means a calm delight. A calm delight. A calmness that comes over you that is not built on anything else around you, but rather what's in you. A calm delight of His presence. A calm delight of His Spirit. A calm delight of his peace and his contentment and his glory. A calm delight that this angel declares. And I bring you good tidings of great joy, not just to a few, but to all people. A gladness, a calm delight. And then, and then the description is made of who's going to bring that for unto you is born this day in the city of David which is Christ the Lord a savior Jesus one to make you safe one to deliver one to preserve you one to make you alive one to cause you a way of escape a one to bring hope a one to bring salvation, a one to bring contentment, a one to bring healing, a one to bring uh, something into your life which cannot be produced by this world. That's what he said. A Savior, a Savior, which is Christ. The word is Christos, which means the anointed, the anointed. This name points out the Savior of the world in a prophetic, a regal, uh, a sacerdotal office. In ancient times, prophets and priests and kings were anointed with oil when they were installed into their respective offices. Anointing was the same for them as consecration is for us, and it's still used in some instances for the consecration of kings. You see in, in Isaiah 61 and 1, the anointing with oil in consecrating a person to any important office, whether civil or religious. It was a, considered an emblem of communicating the, the power of grace and the power of spirit. That ceremony was used on three occasions, and that was for priests and for prophets and for Kings. Every one of those positions was, was anointed with oil. 
And Luke writes and says, you're going to have a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the Christos. <laughs> but why should there be such an anointing deemed necessary? Because, see, the common sense of man taught them that all good, whether spiritual or secular, must come from God. Its origin had to be from God. And so it was, it was not to be taken for granted. No man, they thought, could foretell events unless they were inspired by the Spirit of God. Therefore, the prophet was anointed to signify the communication of the Spirit of wisdom and knowledge. No person could offer an acceptable sacrifice to God for the sins of man or profitably minister in, in holy things unless they were enlightened, influenced, and directed by the Spirit of God and His holiness. Hence, the, the priest was anointed, anointed to signify that he was divinely qualified to perform the, the sacred functions. So you see that the prophet had to be anointed, the priest had to be anointed, and no man could enact just and equitable laws. Why should they have the prosperity of the community and the welfare of, of every individual uh, continually if they were not anointed? And so when kings were inaugurated, they were also anointed with oil. And so when the scripture calls him the Christ, that's not just, well, a neat little phrase. It's calling him the anointed. The anointed. See, Melchizedek and Abraham and Aaron and David, other types of the Lord in the Old Testament, examples, those are shadows of, types of, of the Lord. They were anointed, but they were never called the Messiah. They were never called the Messiah. And all of a sudden, the angel shows up and says, I've got, I've got good tidings of great joy to share with you. There's going to be an anointed one that's going to be born. An anointed one. A supreme being. The ruler of heaven and earth. Someone who's going to be able to exist in all three forms of who was anointed. First, Jesus as a prophet where he would reveal to mankind his will. Be able to instruct people even today hearing the voice of God. The prophetic voice of what God desires for you to walk in and where he desires and when he desires and how he desires. He, he is still a prophet. He's also the priest the Bible in Hebrews calls him the high priest to offer up sacrifice and to make an atonement for the sin of the world. What the blood of bulls and goats could not do, the precious blood of Jesus Christ was able to do. He was anointed as the high priest. He's also anointed as Lord, as King, to rule over and rule in your life and my life. He, he delivers us from the power of guilt and the power of sin and the, and the pollutions of this world. And He influences you and I by the power of His Spirit. He can be Lord 
and king of your life because he is the anointed one. So when the angel was bringing them this little statement, it was more than just this is something to make you happy. Oh, what a nice gift. We got to spend some time with our, some of our family Friday night and Saturday. You know, when your family starts growing up, they go all over the country. They don't always want to be at home anymore. So you have to have Christmas sometimes on different days. That's what we did. We had our Christmas dinner already. I get to probably have two now. And you could focus on, you know what? That, that's, that was a nice gift. That was a nice this, a nice that. And that, that'll bring you happiness until you spend the gift card. And that'll bring you that beautiful new shirt you got or pullover. First time you get mustard on it. Happiness is gone. Happiness doesn't last. It's not built on happiness. And what the angel was bringing news of was not good tidings of great joy to make people happy. No, no. The angel was bringing good tidings of great joy to make people joyful. And the joy was that he was the anointed one, the anointed prophet, the anointed priest, and the anointed king. Jesus is your prophet. He will reveal himself in your life. Jesus is your priest. He will become and has become your sacrifice for sin. Jesus is Lord and King because he will rule over and within your life if you allowed him. This is the tidings of great joy. Don't allow this season to get caught up in circumstances, because you may short, some people know it already, my plan to most people at all, to me, it brings me happiness. My kids do quite well. My wife does not do well at all. At such things. Although a couple, a few years ago, she tried her hardest to accomplish such a feat. And I hear the comments. Oh, I just love the comments. And I love the challenge. I love the challenge. You're getting older. You're not going to be able to do that much longer. And I just love that challenge. You know, I may be sick for the next three days, but I am going to stay up all night. It's kind of like the challenge. It, and for the night, it brings happiness. I've made it. I got it. I got to 5 o'clock. That's celebration time. I've made it. Now I can wake everybody, and I can get everybody. I'm happy in my... You ought to be... I mean, you can be sure that I'm happy. <laughs> By dinner time, the happiness has long left 
because happiness is not built upon a period of time, a celebration, a moment in history. Happiness is not built on an event. Happiness is not built on something that someone does or someone, something that someone doesn't do. The happiness is not built on that. Happiness is built on, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The joy is the great and incredible news that Jesus is your prophet, your priest, and your king. He's available to show you his will. He's become your sacrifice, and he wants to live and rule your life. That is the good news. To some, it's not good news because they're still focused on I just want to be happy. And you watch lives that make such comments within a very short period of time are on their way downhill. Music comes. Their lives are cluttered and distracted. Their lives are overwhelmed and stressed. They're filled with anxiety and nothing is ever enough. Lives are consumed with what's happening around them. Lives are, are weighted down with the weights of life and the worries of tomorrow. That is a very sad way to live. I would encourage you this morning that the tidings, the tidings is what brings you joy. The joy is in the tidings. The joy is in the tidings, Pastor. Yeah, the joy is that he's your priest. He's your prophet. He's your king. He's become your sacrifice. He'll let his will be done in your life. And he will rule and reign in your life. If anything that you should desire for Christmas, more than anything else in this world, is that for every individual, every family member, every neighbor, every fellow employee, Oh, the best gift that I could tell you about is good tidings of great joy. Not a, a raise. That'll make you happy. Not some new equipment. That'll make you happy. Not a new relationship. That'll make you happy. Not some new miracle pill to help you lose weight. And they come out with those all the time. No, that'll just make you happy. And happiness, it will not last. 
The joy is in the tidings. Why your life can be the way it is is because Jesus Christ, your Savior, was born. And because he was born, lived and died, ascended, you can live for him, be filled with his spirit, and one of these days be resurrected to live eternally with him. The joy is in the tidings. Would you stand this morning? Social distance to the best of your ability. But I opened the altar this morning for everybody. Everybody to experience the joy that is in the tidings. If you've never experienced that joy that is in the tidings, then this morning is a great, great time to change your expectation from happiness to joy. If you've never experienced Jesus as your as your prophet, he will let his will be known to your life. If you've never experienced Jesus as your priest, he has become your sacrifice. And if you've never experienced Jesus as your king, he will fill your life to overflowing. The joy is in time. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.